as we had been studying the, uh, through a series called The Secrets of Abundant Joy, as we've been studying through the book of Philippians. Um, today, we, we get into a, a new area of Philippians, where it's actually the application, where Paul, many times within his letters, the first um, few chapters, or the first normally half of the book, when he writes the letters, he, he's, he, he's teaching doctrine, he's teaching truth, and then what he does, he, he goes, as a great teacher would do, he goes into application, what does this mean to you and me? But folks, Christ has, has, has called us that we might have joy within our salvation. Christ said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. If you're not living an abundant life and you say that you're a Christian, it's because you are allowing yourself to be robbed of the joy that Christ already has for you. And I know that for, for an example, in my own life for many, many years, I had allowed others, I'd allowed myself to rob myself of the joy that Christ already has for me. And you know what I find out about myself so many times when I go through struggles? Other people are going through, people's people. And, and, and folks, if we have Christ, we have everything. If we have Jesus Messiah, if we have the blessed Redeemer, our hope is in Him. And what He accomplished on Calvary, what He accomplished through the, the, the empty grave, dear friends, is all we need. And He desires us to have abundant joy. Now, if you've never found Him, if you've never had life, I pray today will be the day of your salvation. Christ came. He came to die for you. He came to deliver you from the, from the, from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin. Um, and, and today, I pray that God would just move upon your heart to call upon him. But today, I want us to look at and I want us to think about some, even though the word grace is never mentioned within this passage, grace is all over this passage. Paul is speaking kind of in a, in a, in a negative form, I'm, I'm, I pray that I can move that more in a positive form because what Paul was trying to say. And I want us to stand together as we read um, Philippians, the third chapter. We'll start at verse 1, we'll read through verse 9. And if you would turn there with me, and as we stand and read God's Word, and the Apostle Paul writes these words, finally. And what he's saying when he says finally, he says, of all the things I've, I've said, this is what... I'm, I'm trying to tell you what he's, he said. I'm getting to the application. This is what it means to you. Folks, when you read the Word of God, God has just not given us a book that, that we can read and collect a lot of facts. He's given us a book to speak to you and me. Even though this was written 2,000 years ago, even though it was written to a church in, in, a, in a province in a city called Philippi, it's just as important for you today as it was to the people that Paul was writing. And he's saying, finally, he says, I've said all these things to say these few things. And then he continues, he says, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. There's that word joy again. But folks, we are, our rejoicing should be in Christ and in Christ alone. He said, to write the same things to, um, to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous. He says, I'm, I'm not grieved to write these words. I'm excited to write these words. He says, but to you, it is safe. It is secure. He says, beware the dogs. Well, that's some pretty tough language. Beware the dogs. Of the evil workers, beware the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he had wherewith he, he might trust in the flesh, I'm more, he says, if anyone else thinks they've, they're important, that they've done some spectacular things, he says, look at me. He's, he's not bragging, he's just, he's, just, he's just laying some things out. 
He, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is by the law, blameless. But what things are gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do, do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the, through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Father, we love you, Lord, and I pray that you would take these words, that you would apply them to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we, we realize that, God, that you've told us to, to worship you in spirit and in truth. That, God, that if we can take the truth that the Spirit's not in it, dear Father, God, it will become very mechanical to us. It will become very legalistic to us. The Father, if the Spirit is added, there's life. And what I pray today is you'll take this word, these words, and you'll turn them into life. That, God, that they'll be applied into our lives individually as, as you would within our lives. And, God, I pray that you'd change our lives today. I pray today, God, you'd set us free today. I pray today, dear Father, we can see the glory of the cross. And, God, in what you have for us, those that are yours. So, Father, I pray that you'd bless this time, do the works that you need to do. In Christ's name, amen and amen. The Apostle Paul ended that section when he says, and, I found, and, and be found in him not having my own righteousness. I'm not, I'm not found in him because of the good that I've done, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And I want to hinge upon what he's saying, that the righteousness... The law, which is by faith. Paul writes in, a, in another book, a book that he had written to the, the church of Ephesus, he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But for by grace, the very way, the very reason that we can come to God, to Jesus Christ, through faith and not the works of the law, in faith in the works that he's done, is because God has shed his grace on you and me. Faith itself is a gift that God has given you and me. John writes of his fullness, we've all received, and grace for grace. I like that word, grace. I, I, I love, really, a, an acronym that someone put together years ago that, 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 that grace, if you kind of begin to understand what grace is, is is God's riches at Christ's expense. I've heard that so many times, but you know, it's always, when I say, when it rolls off your lips, you know, that, that because of grace, I can receive all of God's riches through what Christ has done for me. And that, that's a beautiful idea. That's a beautiful illustration of God's grace. Over the years, I've learned to think of grace in this way. It's God doing for me what I can't do for myself. I can't save myself, so by His grace... He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. That when I'm going through a hard time and I can't handle it anymore, that as Paul, God spoke through Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. He says, my strength is perfect in your weakness. And, and so that's when God's grace sets in. And he, he gives us the strength to do what you and me can't do for ourselves. 
the folks we need to lavish in God's grace. And we need to stop and recognize the great gift because that's what grace means. And, and it's the very same word that is translated gift in many, in, in many places within the Bible. Grace is God's gift to you and to me. He's done the work for us. And folks, that is why we need to stop and we need to think about what does that mean to me? What does, what does it mean that, that we, are, we are saved by faith through grace or, or that by grace through faith? What does that mean to me? Paul says, finally, my brethren. He says two things right here that I want us to, to make as our, our, our thoughts and our points. He said, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Because of God's grace, we have the benefit of the joy in the Lord. But also because of God's grace, we have security, that we have rest in Him. He is our rest. He is our peace. And so I want us to stop, and I want us to think about those things, and I want us to look at these things as Paul gives us real application. The first thing that we want to do today is just look at, at one of the blessings of God's grace as folks that sets you and me free. Boy, if, if I could just camp out here and if I could just somehow open up each of us and, boy, be able to pour into you this truth, and I pray the Holy Spirit will do that, it will set you free today. You know the first thing it sets us free from? It sets us free from the expectations of others. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. We'll go back and we'll begin to, to, to dig deeper into this. When he says in verse 2, he says, Beware the dogs, beware the workers, beware the concision, which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And well, Beware the dogs. Beware the evil workers. Beware the concision. What in the world is he talking about? What he's talking about, folks, is there are always people. You'll always meet people within your life, within, within your spiritual world that wants to, first of all, think they're more righteous than everyone else. They want, to, they want to, to let you know that I've got something maybe you don't have. They'll always appear and want to appear that they're more righteous than you. And not only that, it, will there always be those people, and, and you need to write it down, as it was 2,000 years ago, there will be... It is 2,000 years um, forward to right now. And these people will want to put on you a yoke of bondage. They'll want to tell you that if you want to be like me, then you need to do this, this, and this. They'll place their expectations upon you. You know what will happen? That will rob you of every bit of joy that you'll ever have. You see, it's amazing to me. I guess it's just within our, our person, within our, our fallen nature, is that so much of what we do is according to the expectations of others. You know, there's some of us today that are in careers that we're here, that not that we wanted to be in that career, but because maybe mom and dad wanted us in that career. We're miserable. We're living a life that we don't even like because we're trying to please the expectations of others. Sad to say, there's a lot of people today that are in relationships. Not because they wanted to be in that relationship, because they were in the relationship 
out of the expectation of others. And folks, that's a miserable place to live. You know, there's people today, the, the way that we dress is, is not nece- necessarily the way I would like to dress. But I'm just trying to please the expectations of others, the, the way I wear my hair. is because of the expectations of others. And folks, you know what I mean. Because there's something within, within our, our flesh, or something within, within our nature that, that wants to be patted on the back by others. Folks, that's bondage. And I'm sad to say that, that this bondage is probably seen as much as within the local church as any other place. Because we define ourselves not in Jesus Christ, but we define ourselves in what other people think about us. Well, I've had to deal many times over, the, over, over a lunch table about somebody telling me about how I need to make sure I set dressing limits within the church. Folks, you need to dress modest, but, but it's not for me to tell you how to dress. That's, the Holy Spirit can do a lot better job than me. Now, you need to be modest. But folks, I, I, am, I am not the, the, the dress police around here. Now, you need to have some sense about yourself. But if all you have is jeans with a, with a, with a hole in the knee, wear jeans with a hole in the knee. Come on in, friends. Because that's between you and the Holy Spirit. I, I, don't, want you, I don't want you to do... I, I'm not going to be your judge one day. Jesus Christ, you'll stand before him one day. You know, you'll probably never see me wear my hair down to my rear end. I don't have any wear, even if I did. <laughs> that probably ain't going to happen. Unless I got, unless I got a special uh, anointing from God or something, you know. And, um, but if you want to wear it where you can trip over it and you can serve the Lord doing that, then praise God for you. That's God's business. That's your business. But isn't it amazing how we put stipulations? I mean, man, when I grew up, um, boy, you know, you define the, the good boys from the bad boys by the length of their hair. Christ had long hair. Long hair with Samson's strength. I'm just using this as an example. But again, we do it by dress. We, we do it where the, you know, uh, wear an earring in your ear. Or I, you know, I've dealt with the, t- you know, I, I, I could just, you know, it's by the music that we sing. Did you realize the hymns that we sing now? A lot of the, the, a lot of the, the melodies came out of the barrooms of the past. And boy, there was wars in the church because of the hymns that we see standard today. And now if we don't sing the hymns, there's, other, there's wars in the church because there's newer music that's coming in. And so we deem ourselves more righteous than others just by cause of the music that we listen to. Folks, it's not the externals, it's the internal that, that matters. And so what Paul was saying is, is, is you need to beware. And, and what Paul was speaking about, there was a group of people that when Paul went and he preached the gospel to the, to the church of Philippi and all to the, the Grecian peoples that he preached that you're saved by grace through faith and, and it's through Christ and Christ alone. 
and people got gloriously saved, and then there were some people that came in behind him and says, no, if you really want to be a good Christian, you need to keep the, the Jewish laws. How can you really be a good Christian if you're not circumcised like all the Jewish males are circumcised? If you don't eat the kosher foods like all the Jewish males, you know, eating and drinking. Folks, that, there's always been that division within the church. If, uh, you can do this and you can't do that. The problem is the Word of God does not speak about that. The matter of fact, the Word of God says all things are clean before Christ. And, and what does Paul think about that? He, he makes it very clear. He, he uses the idea of dogs, and, and that dogs were the most hideous animals to Jews. Because most of their dogs were, were, were dogs that were old wild dogs that would just go from house to house, getting into the trash and, you know, just, just devouring anything they could. And that's what he's saying. These are people who are trying to devour you. They're trying to rob you. They're trying to steal you by putting bondages on you that Christ never put on you. Folks, he, that's what the cross is all about. Christ came to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. You can't dress yourself good enough to please Christ. You can't wear your hair good enough to please Christ because if it's in your own glory, if it's in your own power, then dear friends, you've already fallen. Christ came to die to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And he says, and when we try to put bondages on others that you have to look this way, talk this way, listen to this music, dress this way, then, we, then Paul says we're nothing more than this, like this group of dogs that are trying to devour other people's joy. Strong language. As a matter of fact, this is the language the Jews used of the Gentile people. They'd call them dogs because they hated them. What does Jesus Christ think about that? You know, Paul, I mean, Paul, you may think, man, Paul, you're getting, you're getting a little tough on these people. What did Jesus Christ think about? Look what Jesus Christ said in Matthew, this, the 23rd chapter, verses 1 through 5. You may want to turn there. All Paul is doing is, 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 is speaking the same words of Jesus Christ. Again, when, when you find Matthew, the 23rd chapter, verses 1 through 5, Christ says these words. Then Jesus spake to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. These are important people in their own minds. And therefore, whatsoever they, they bid you to observe, that observe and do. But do, not, but, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. And he says, For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers but all their works they do to be seen of men folks that's some powerful language jesus was was basically saying the same thing he said you need to beware of these people they'll want to put burdens on your back that they can't carry themselves and it's all about being seen of men and what Paul was saying that the cross, he says, finally, my brethren, he says, you remember what I just told you? You remember what I, I told you that you need to have this attitude of Christ who, being in the form of God, thought it was not equal to be robbery with God, but he took upon himself the, the form of a servant and made himself in the likeness of man and became obedient and obedient even unto death. He humbled himself and became obedient even in the death, the death of the cross. What the cross was all about is to set you and me free. It was, it was, it was to free us from the expectations of others. Christ Jesus went to the cross for you and me. That it wasn't about our works. It's not about what other people think. 
Our glory is to be in Christ and Christ alone, not about what other people think about. Folks, if you can get to that point within your life, it will set you free. And that's what he's speaking about. Grace has come to set us free, to set us free from the expectations of other people. But he also come to set us free from our own flesh. It's, 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 it's those fleshy desires of, of, proving, of wanting to prove myself. Look what he says again when, when, when he speaks when he, when he speaks and, and at the very end of verse 3 he says for we are the circumcision which worship he said the, the true circumcision is not through a not through the flesh it's through our heart because we are the circumcision because Christ has changed our heart he says for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, what's this flesh? Flesh is, is just another way of saying sinful nature. That because we are all born of fallen fathers, because we all are born under the curse, we all have a flesh, and at the very top of flesh's problems is, is our pride. It's trying to be somebody. That's what, that's what, what caused... Eve and Adam at the, at the, in the garden because they wanted to be like God. And we all have that problem. We all want to be somebody. And so most of us live our lives in a performance mode that I have to perform in a certain way so that God can please me. Folks, that's a terrible place to have to live. To think that I've got to do some type of work Again, whether I, I that, that's why it's so easy for others to prey on us because they tell us, you need to do this, this, and this. If you really want to be a spiritual man, then you grab hold of that and think that, boy, I, I've got to dress this way, I've got to look this way, I've got to talk this way, I've got, I've got to go to certain places, or I can't go to certain places because, because I'm, I'm trying to prove myself before the Lord. Folks, you and me can't prove ourselves to the Lord. That's why Jesus died. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I think that's probably one of the greatest struggles that I, that, that I face within, within my Christian life. Is trying to prove myself to God. And Paul says, if there's anyone that could have proved themselves to God, it should have been me. Look what he says in these words. He says in verse 4, Though I may have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh out of the more. He says, if anybody should have confidence, it should be me. And what he began to go through a, his pedigree. He was speaking of his pedigree here. He says, I circumcised on the eighth day like every good Jew, Jewish boy is born, done. He says, not only was I circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was the, was the tribe that the first king came out of, King Saul. A very, a very high-standing tribe within, within Israel. He says, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. If you wanted to see what a Hebrew looked like, he said, you looked at me. He says, touching the law, I was a Pharisee. And the Pharisees are the most strictest in keeping the law. He says, concerning zeal, you know, you're talking about somebody fired up for, for, for being a Jew. I was fired up. As a matter of fact, I persecuted the church and touching righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. And what he was saying, that if you wanted to see someone that kept the law, he says, I was about as good as it was. 
But listen to what he continued on saying. But all those things that were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. He says, I realize that all those things meant nothing before the cross. Yea, doubtless I count all things lost except for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ the Lord. For I have suffered all things and do count them but dung, but but manure, that I may win Christ. You see, folks, within every one of us, there's that desire that, that, that I've got to do something to please God. And we can work our hands to the, to the nubs and miss it. I think about the testimony of the great reformer Martin Luther. Martin Luther lived in torment of trying to please God. As a matter of fact, he was a, he was a Catholic priest. And the story goes that, that, that when he went to Rome, there was the great steps leading up to the Vatican that they would, they would, they would, sprinkle, they would sprinkle glass on those steps and he would crawl up on his hands and his knees because thinking that pain would bring him closer to God. He would beat himself with whips thinking that pain would bring, you know, that, that he was sacrificing his body for Christ. He, he, he literally almost destroyed his body thinking that, that the more I suffer the Christ, the, the, the more I can prove myself. But then he woke up to that glorious passage in, in Paul where Paul writes, the just shall live by faith. It's not by what I've done, but what Christ has done for me. And this old guy with all the sincerity in the world with all the sincerity in the world, is trying to prove his love for Christ, even if it meant crawling up on steps that, that with broken glass that he would harm his body, he realized this was all in vain. The cross took care of all of that. Christ died for me so that I didn't have to prove myself anymore. Can you imagine if you could unleash yourself from the bondage of the expectation of others? And then also the expectation of yourself, of how much that would set you free. Do you realize there's so many people that, that are hurting us in the world around us? And, and one of the things that, that is keeping them away from the gospel of Jesus Christ is because the gospel is pure. That Christ died for your sins, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. But what we do is we put, we put all types of hurdles they have to jump before they can come to Jesus. Folks, there's a dying world out there that needs Jesus Christ, and they need to come under the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you, that you don't have to prove yourself. He proved it for you. And so that's what Paul said. Be careful. He says, I'm telling you all these things because, because I want you to be set free. I don't want you to live under the bondage of the expectations of others. I don't want you to live under the bondage of, of the expectation of yourself, of trying to prove yourself, or even the expectation of the law. Because the cross set us free even from the bondage of the law. See, all the law was done, the law was never intent to bring us to Christ. The law was only intent to show us that we needed Christ, to show us how far we have fallen. And the cross took care of that. 
Folks, I want you to be able to grab this, not only for yourselves, but also in you ministering to others. Of, that, when, that when you talk to someone about Jesus Christ, that you, that you don't load a bunch of burdens on them, that you can just take them to the purest of the gospel, that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. How do you come to Jesus? You come just as you are. John spoke about earlier the, the great hymns. One of, my, one of the great hymns in my life is, 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 is just that hymn of the solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And Jesus and Jesus alone. On Christ's solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. If I'm standing on the expectations of what other people are thinking about me, then I'm standing on sinking sand. If I'm standing upon what I've done to prove myself to Christ, I'm standing on sinking sand. If I'm standing on, on trying to, to, to keep the law and, and being righteous according to the law, I'm standing on sinking sand. Folks, my rock is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He loved me enough because he knew that I couldn't do it on my own. And so he came and he did it for me. And that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to tell. You need to beware of those people. There will always be people in your life telling you what you need to do to be a good little Christian. You need to run into the cross is what you need to do. Christ has already done that for you. Absolutely that we are to live in, in a life trying to please Him through the work of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, the work of the Holy Spirit will show us things that other people won't show us. But not only that, he says, not only should you rejoice because God, God's grace has blessed you to set you free, but also God's grace has given you great security. When Paul writes these words, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but to you is safe. That word means secure. As a matter of fact, it's from a root word that means to be knocked down, to be pushed over. But because it has a, uh, a negative prefix, that means something that cannot be knocked over, something that cannot be pushed over. And what he's saying is that if when you understand these truths, you are on solid ground, you are on the Christ, that nothing can knock you over. That when you are in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're secure in that. Nothing can pull you away from the love of Christ. Nothing can knock you over. He says, you need to understand this. It's not what other people think about you. It's what Christ has accomplished for you. It gives us the security of, of abundant acceptance. It's hard for so many of us to develop our relationship with Christ because of our past. Because so many of us have a problem of how can Christ really... I know Christ came and died for me. I know that Christ arose from the dead for me. But how can Christ really accept a person like me? And so we're held in bondage to our past. How can God really love me as a father? How can Christ really not see my past? Folks, because of the cross, we have total acceptance, absolute acceptance. We are accepted into the beloved. The blood of Christ has washed away all of our sin. You just grab hold of that for a little bit. 
you just grab a hold of looking at things about your worst moment or things about that thing in your past that has held you down and, and you can't even accept yourself because of some things that you've done in the past. Folks, the, the cross canceled all of that. Because of the cross, you can come and you can lay yourself in the arms of Christ and you can call him Abba Father. He loves you. He wants to embrace you. And he has taken your sins and thrown them as far as the east is from the west. And so he said that you're secure in this because, because of the total, the absolute acceptance. Because Christ did the work for you. He doesn't look towards your work. He looks to the work of Christ. But also, not only that, that absolute acceptance, but also that perfect peace. That perfect peace. Peace in my relationship with God. Man. That even on my bad, bad worst day, I can still come to the cross and I can still bow down to my Father and I can have peace with Him. And folks, guess what? We're going to have some bad days. Guess what? Even as a believer, you're going to do some stupid things in your lives. And like I said, I, you know, I, I have a gift of, again, saying the wrong things at the wrong times. And just, or just, just do, I mean, just being stupid sometimes. But I don't have to beat myself up. I can always go to the cross. And I can know I have perfect peace with my Father in heaven. Because Jesus canceled all my debt, past, present, and future at the cross. Folks, isn't that good? And you know what? When I have peace with myself, I can have peace with others. Because, of, because by, 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 by the grace of God, I am what I am, and, and by the grace of God, someone is who they are. You know, my, my battle's not against flesh and blood. It's not against other people. That, that I can have peace with them. And most of all, I can have peace with myself. As long as I have set my eyes upon the cross, because the cross canceled all sin. But also, and when you have total acceptance and when you have peace that's when you have abundant joy listen to what he says finally my brethren rejoice where do we rejoice not in yourselves not in what other people think about you but rejoice in Jesus Christ he has come he died for your sins he was buried he arose again on the third day He's canceled all my debt. And so I can run to him and I'm accepted into the beloved. He's the anchor of my soul. When, when he says these, these things for you are safe, this is the same word that the, the writer of Hebrews speaks about when he's the anchor of our soul. Folks, he's steadfast. That he's immovable. That because, because of the work that he's done for me, and all I have to do is by grace through faith come to him and place my trust in him. It's all about you, Lord. And I pray today that you'll do that. I pray today today that you'll find your acceptance, not in what you've done, not in what other people think about you, but you find your acceptance in Christ, in Christ alone. Folks, he's the Messiah. He's the one that's come to set you free. And I pray today that you will begin to find that joy that Christ has for you.
isn't it good that my salvation is not based upon what my mama thinks about me and what others may think about me, but my salvation is based upon my faith that Jesus loved me so much. He died for my sins. He carried my sins to the grave. He overcame the power of death, and he's living forever. And he's coming again one day to receive me into himself. Folks, that's where our joy comes from. I pray today, if you, don't, if you are not living in that joy today, you'd let yourself be free in Christ. But Father, I pray that as we close this portion of our service, I pray that Holy Spirit, you'd move in the lives of, of, of people across this congregation. God, there's some that has been carrying heavy burdens, heavy loads. And I pray today that you'd set them free from that. God, today, that Lord, that they could just come and lay them and, um, and uh, lay them on the altar. God, if there's someone here today that needs Christ as their Lord, I pray today that you'd draw them to yourself. God, that again, that, that you accomplished what we could not accomplish for ourselves on Calvary. God bless this time, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen.